Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. This week we continue our season review as 2011 draws to a close. I reckon they deserve a big award this year, every year of that. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. First up, V8 Supercars have announced that fans can pay tribute to the life of Jason Richards at Sandown Motor Raceway in Melbourne on Monday, the 9th of January, 2012. Entry will be via a gold coin donation. The family of V8 Supercars are gathering together for this special memorial service for the much-loved Richards between 3 and 4.30pm. The Kiwi passed away on Thursday the 15th of December and he will be remembered at the circuit where he had a very, very strong relationship. Sandown was his first ever podium in 2005 with Jamie Winkup, the current champion, and Tasman Motorsports, and they nearly caused a boil over in 2003 in the Sandown 500 with a late race dice against Mark Scaife. Stephen Johnson talked about his years to the V8 Insiders and where he can see the team going in 2012. Yeah, we just we've got to get it right, you know. There's obviously things that have gone amiss engineering-wise in our cars and we need to get it back to where we were at the start of the year you know we might not have been at the front of the field every week but we were in the top 10 you know so that's we were we were fast enough to get on the podium we were the third best qualifier right through to Phillip Island uh, on average and uh, you know from there we dropped the ball so but that's that's everything that's you know half of this year's budget went got used at the end of last year to, to win the championship and you know it was always going to be pretty skinny at the end of the year so um, I thought we could have kept the ball rolling a bit better than what it did but we just seemed to lose our way quite a bit in the car so you know there's a lot of work to be done and you know the fundamentals are there we can you know we've got the stuff that that can be fast on any given day we just got to get it right taking on more of a leadership role and a, and a more administrative role in the company is that also taking its toll on you? Oh, probably a little bit, yeah. You know, it's been pretty tough and it's always draining when things aren't going as good as you expect them to go. So, yeah, it's it's tough work. But, you know, it's, I haven't overloaded myself. It's just been stressful because we haven't been going so good from Phillip Island. So, um, you know, I, I won't change anything for next year. I'll just try to come out mentally stronger and tougher and, you know, probably a little bit more... 
I guess, business structure and plan with engineers, etc. You know, we've been light on with engineers. We've had engineers leave and, and, and leave us, go to Triple Eight, go to Webs, etc. So, you know, we, were, we only really had a junior engineer. We had an engineer pass away at the start of the year. So we're always on the back foot. Um, you know, I was just surprised that we were able to get those results early in the year, or pretty much the first half of the year. And, um, you know, the end of the year really showed, you know, how much we sort of used up last year and, you know, how much we missed this year. Well, with three cars and, from what I understand, four cars on the way at uh, Dick Johnson Racing, it's going to be a, a busy 12 weeks. Yeah, it's going to be pretty busy and, uh, you know, it's good. It's going to make everything better in the long run, um, you know, engineering-wise, uh, you know, staff-wise. Uh, it's, it's just going to be a lot more, I guess user-friendly and and we're going to be able to develop more because we've got more people more staff more cars etc so you know i think it's only a good thing and it's good viable plan for the business to go forward as well it looks like everyone is going to three or four cars you're going to have well paul told me today that he's still got a license he's going to run so uh that means him and luffy if you can believe that are the only one car teams left on the grid yeah you know it's one car teams are pretty tough so uh you know, I don't think one cup teams are really going to get far in this business. So um, they're going to, you know, any one car teams next year. And you know, that's why Dean Fiore has done what he's done. He realises that one car team's too tough. So it's just got to go move forward from there. And we're able to, um, you know, do a deal for three cars and possibly four. So, you know, we're just going to roll with that and um, get in next year. And, you know, we're, the good thing about DJR is we're not planning two months ahead like we used to last year. And at the start of this year, when we got rid of the staff that we needed to get rid of, we're actually planning, we're already planning for Car of the Future in 2013. We've already planned a lot for Car of the Future in 2013. So, um, you know, next year we've got a pretty good plan already. And we've, we're, we're well underway for 2013. So, you know, I think we're well ahead of quite a few other people as well as where we would have been, you know, if we didn't make the management changes we did in mid-year. After the break, our final bright line for 2012. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. This week on The Bright Line, we caught up with Jason just after the final race in Sydney. Early in the year, we, we made pretty steady progress and got to the point where we won a couple of rounds and, and then we, you know, we've had a pretty tough time ever since. Um, if anything, you know, we'd sort of really struggle early in, in each weekend and struggling qualifying Sun, by Sunday afternoon we'd have a reasonable car and you know it was just too late but you know I, I think we've you know the last certainly 
standing back watching the car at, at Sandown and um, and working on it here, you know, I, I think we've I can go into next year pretty confident that uh, that that you know we'll be on top of the, the problems we had later this year. Hopefully, twelve weeks is enough to time to heal those ribs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was I was pretty happy that they, you know, even after three weeks, you know, this weekend wasn't too much of a drama. So, um, twelve weeks, I'll be back to fine form. I'd say. My thanks to Jason Bright for joining us right throughout season 2011. It's the round table with Nevin Fogues up next. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. This week on the VAD Insiders, we're joined by Neville Wilkinson from VADX Magazine and Mark Fogarty from The Age Newspaper and, of course, the editor-at-large of Auto Action. And, uh, well, we continue on our conversation, which took an interesting turn when we started talking about the fans. General admission, it's this viewing opportunities are very sparse. General admission, you can stand along straights, but the cars fly, fly past you at warp factor nine. Right, and a lot of the good spectating areas for general admission are either covered by corporate people being there or grandstands. So yeah, you get your general admission, but if you want to get a good place to look, then you've got to pay extra for at least a grandstand. There's a, there's a there's an upgrade fee, and um, I think I think they need to start. And I say this in my next issue of VADX, they need to start looking after the fans who pay general admission. I mean, you know, because that's where they're losing out big time. Mm. Look, well, funny you should mention the fan, Nev, because I've I mean, been thinking, the good old fan, you know... I the, mention them all the time. The foundation of this sport, I reckon they deserve a big award this year, every year, in fact, because, you know, we're here for them. The whole show exists for them. And, you know, what do they get? Not a lot. Mm. I'll tell you they're what... often forgotten, you know... The rhetoric out of, you know, Narang V8 Supercars, Australia headquarters is it's all for the fans. We do everything for the fans. Please. I would hate to be a fan. You know, mm. hey, really, I'm... just, I, I don't know. I, I'm just impressed that they keep coming in sizable numbers. I'm talking about, you know, the real fans that come to the race meetings. I reckon they d- deserve a big award because, you know, without them, we wouldn't have this sport. And I think they well, deserve a, a lot more recognition and a lot better facilities than they get, you know, everything from just, you know, the cost of getting, you know, proper seats, you know, if you're not a corporate, um, you know, the access to the drivers, um, you know, just generally the the way they're treated. Yes, access is a lot better than, you know, most other sports and certainly any other motorsport, but but still, you know, I, I reckon... The fans, unfortunately, in the big scheme of things, you know, figure very low on the totem pole. And, totem pole, and I, I really just don't think that's right. You know, as I said, I don't know why they do it because, you know, I get privileged access as you do as a member of the media, and it's you know quite a, you know, makes it quite interesting. It's quite a cushy gig, really. But gosh, if I had to actually go and pay for it, and then suffer the deprivations of being a fan, nah. 
No way. Yeah, so I think, kudos I think the, to all of you out there, guys and gals. You're heroes. Mm-hmm. I think the general admission fan is taken for granted, and uh, that, need, that needs to stop. Because, but also put to you that part of the reason why crowds are down is because the general admission fan isn't getting what they should be getting, and and the and the television now is so good that it's like worth. I'll stay at home. I see more on TV. There's there's so much to see now with the television stuff, and I and um you know I think Channel Seven's coverage and and people complain about ads and all that. Believe me, you go and watch NASCAR over in the states. There's a lot more ads on television than there are in V8 supercars. Um, and I just, I just think the television, the telecasts are so good now. They are hurting crowd figures at the local rounds, yep, and they need to they do are. what they, I reckon they need to do. What the AFL did, um, delay telecast the racing when it's in, in in the local market. So Melbourne rounds, except maybe San, unless it's a sellout, right? They should delay it because I think that's what's hurting. That's part of what's hurting crowds. Mm. No, I think you're very right. You know, I'd, you know. If I didn't have to go to work, I'd be watching the television. Why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Pretty much like any sport, you know, and it's all very well to go and soak up with the atmosphere, but, you know, if you haven't got much clue about what's going on because you can't see anything, um, no, I reckon a lot more value-add for the fans, you know. But they, there's a lot of general admission fans that are questioning why should I go to the track two, to- two times in uh, one weekend when I have to pay so much to get in and I've got to pay over-the-top prices for stuff and I don't really... The, the, the spectating areas that I used to be able to access, I can't anymore because of the way Vegas because monopolise it with grandstands and corporates and all that kind of stuff. You know, I might go one day and then I'll stay home and watch it on telly. Now uh, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders, but we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. It seems like we started this show before Christmas and we're now getting close to New Year, but. Uh, it's Mark Fogarty from Editor-at-Large of Auto Action and, of course, uh, you can catch up with his writings in The Age newspaper as well and Neville Wilkinson, the Editor-in-Chief of V8X magazine. Joining me, Craig Ravella. Guys, you hit upon a, a very interesting topic before the break there where we were talking about, well, I guess you guys were talking about crowds and crowds being taken for granted and it's interesting that when we talk about crowds and then talk about TV, that's got to be the biggest red light that's flashing in the V8 supercar headquarters right at the moment, isn't it? What are we going to do with TV? Because we're not going to get the money last time, folks, that we got last time, folks. Well, I and many other more qualified people would agree with you. Tony Cochran disagrees. He is very bullish about the new broadcast rights, and, of course, they take in not just television these days, but all sorts of um, different uh, digital platforms, you know, from the Internet to mobile phones to all sorts of other things we don't know. So he's very bullish about the fact that he's um, predicting that the broadcast rights will bring in the course of the next five-year deal from 2013 onwards, $300 Well... I don't see it, but, you know, as I say, it's being spread across many more platforms this time, so you know, maybe it will um, take off like a rocket, um, but that would be, well, probably something not quite, but close to double what they're getting in the current agreement. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think they're going to struggle, you know, particularly from the, you know, the, the, the TV rights aspect. You know, I, 
I can't see anyone other than Seven being interested, and they now know the full value of it. So, you know, they're going to be trying to lowball it. Um, there's a possibility ten may weigh in, but I think ten have got bigger problems and other fish to fry. My best information is that nine just simply aren't interested. Full stop. They might get some more value out of Fox Sports, but the championship can't go fully on pay TV because um, of the anti-siphoning um, laws. Um, so, you know, what we're going to get probably more disturbingly next year is a lot more of the series shoved onto Seven Mate, um, which is a secondary digital channel. It just doesn't have the, you know, I don't know, the sheer critical mass of, you know, Seven itself, but to work around the uh, expanded AFL coverage that Seven have committed themselves to, which is four games a weekend next year, um, a lot more of it, particularly during the winter anyway, of VAs is going to be hived off onto the secondary station. So um, you could conceivably imagine that ratings are going to suffer a hit and, you know, again, that will reduce the value. So um, it, it's an interesting one um, and it's a really big issue and certainly Archer Capital, um, who are out to maximise their investment in V8 supercars is going to be looking to squeeze every dollar they can out of things like the broadcasting rights. Nev, in the current edition of V8X magazine, which would be a fantastic stocking filler for Christmas and great reading between that Christmas and New Year period that we're in now, and uh, it is interesting because you've gone right into this whole TV saga. Well, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. Who knows what the, what it is? I'm I'm not privy to how the TV uh, and all the networks work out how much money they can make off stuff. Um, I actually agree with folks. I think they're going to combine internet, the television, all into one. Um, there's a lot of synergies between Channel Seven. Even um, uh, there's a publishing arm there. I know the stuff gets done through News Limited, but. There's there's a whole lot of synergies uh, with Seven. I know that they would probably, you know, they could probably use an online presence as well with Yahoo Seven. Who knows? So, you know, whether they're going to get the same amount of money, you don't know what's going on with the overseas stuff, uh, all that kind of stuff. I think there's too many grey areas. We look at it where how it is, how it's grown or it's not grown, how the crowds are, how the viewing figures are, are they down, are they up. If they're the same, you know, it begs to say, well, they would pay the same. If they're, if they're less, they pay less. But we just, just don't know enough. And, uh, you know, we, Tony could surprise us. We were surprised last time when they announced the deal this dies. We went, holy mackerel, never expected this. And he could surprise us again. Then again, we could say, yeah, we told you so. So who knows? Should we read anything, folks, into the fact that the head of the company that runs Fox Sports, or the former head of the company that ran Fox Sports in Premier Media Group, is now about to become the head of V8 Supercars? Well, got to see if he sticks first. Well, if he Track just record gets... record of recent chief executive officers of V8 Supercars isn't great. Well, if he just sticks it through to get the TV deal signed, then maybe his job's done. Yeah, well, if he lasts a year and a bit, he'll be, um, well, he'll be a winner of the Well, V8's got a history of that type of thing. Yeah, but anyway, apart from that, it's, um, you're right, it's David Malone from, uh, well, essentially from Fox Sports. So he at least knows that side of the business, and that's going to be a very important side of the business to, to understand next year. Um, so he's well-placed to extract 
whatever the maximum value is going um, from certainly traditional broadcasting and also, you know, pay TV. Um, there's a lot more potential out of Fox Sports, I think, even though they can't, you know, buy the whole rights and, and the sport wouldn't want it. You don't want to disappear, you know, onto pay TV because the critical mass of audience is just not the... Oh, no, the sponsors would be up and armed. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as we go, um, this new bloke seems to have some sort of at least credibility in a certain area and, and at least a, an understanding of, of, of sports and sports um, rights. So, um, you know, that that's encouraging, but whether he can get his head around and his, much less his arms around the whole sport and the Machiavellian politics that go on, um, and can deal in an environment where you've got a private equity firm running the show and, you know, their mandate is to uh, make money out of it, build its value, yes, but essentially to make money out of it. Um, that will be a very um, challenging environment. And, of course, as always, he, like everyone there, will have Tony Cochran looking over his shoulder. Um, it's a, <laughs> Being a CEO of that company is not... Not one that I would, uh, not a position I'd wish for because I don't really think you are the full CEO deal. You've got an executive chairman who's a very, very powerful figure um, watching over and leaning you over and is the face of the sport. So um, it's going to be a big challenge for Mr. Malone, I think. Yeah, but Virtue Picards haven't um, shied away from the fact that that's why they got him because they, they admit that to find a, a motorsport, a CEO in motorsport is virtually impossible. Even F1 have trouble finding someone of, of that uh, ilk or uh, with that type of knowledge. So they look, okay, who's a CEO that has credentials that could that could help us in other areas? And they say the television is now the one of their well is their main priority. And like 2012, it is the hottest topic for 2012 is the TV, no doubt about it. Um, but. Um, so they thought, let's you know, that's the biggest thing. Who do who can we get as a CEO? Who's who's across that area? And this guy popped up. He was he had the, he had the credentials, and so they went that way. And that makes sense. Oh, to me, that does make sense. Yeah. I, I would argue a company of its size, at the moment, around about seventy people, doesn't need a CEO. Doesn't need a chief executive officer. It has an executive manager. chairman who is fulfilling that role. Um, you know. A uh, chief operating officer is really all you need when they have one. And Shane Howard, and he's a bloody good—he's a bloody good operator too. Well, he certainly understands motorsport, and he understands business. So, for that role in that organisation, that would have been my pick. But unfortunately, he got passed over again. But um, yeah, interesting times. I don't think he actually went for it the previous time. I think this time was the first time Shane Howard put his hat in the ring for it. Or might have well, formally yes, put his hat in the ring for it. Yeah. Essentially, he was passed over twice, so <coughs> that's a bit disconcerting. Um, but, um, you know, in that chief operating officer role and as head of V8 Supercar Events, he's uh, certainly proved himself. And uh, he has an extraordinary... Uh, well, to me, a surprising background in motorsport. I actually didn't realise it until I was just having a chat to him at Sandown wandering along when we arrived at the circuit at the same time. And it turns out, you know, he comes from Tasmania and his father was heavily involved in motorsport and Shane is steeped in motorsport. Um, history down there was, you know, and remembers going to the great Longford track back in the day um, and, 
you know, to my shame perhaps, but I admit I didn't realise that he had such a, a solid motorsport background. So the fact that he uh, has that, in addition to his background in, well, I think it was civil engineering, mm-hmm. which he how he got involved in the first place through the mob that designed the surface track and the business side of VA supercars, um, to me, you know, for what the job really requires, he would have been a good fit. But anyway, he'll soldier along. And we'll see how it all goes. Mm. Well, we need to take a break. I want to talk to you about end-of-year awards up next on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, folks, and Big Hand Nev joining me, Craig Ravel. And, guys, uh, end-of-year awards, they're always interesting. The Barry Sheen medal went to Craig Lowndes, not the winner of the championship, and perhaps that was exactly the right place for it to go, Nev. Well, like we all talked about how popular Craig was, well, is, and how happy we were to see that he's up there punching away fighting for the championship win. Um, most people I, most people I talked to um, said that even if Craig won, they couldn't they couldn't be grudging that if he won, he'd be a popular winner of the series. So um, I'm actually not surprised that he won the Barry Sheen medal. Mm, folks, was there anyone out there that could really challenge Craig Lowndes in a popular vote, which the Barry Sheen medal, to some extent, has that aspect to it? No, on a popularity vote, there's no one near him. He's by far the most popular and the best-known V8 supercar driver, way, way in front of everyone else. The others, in fact, probably don't even rate, you know, out in the consciousness of of the general public, of the non-motorsport followers. Um, But don't forget, I mean, the Barry Sheen medal is essentially motorsport's equivalent of the Brownlow medal. You know, it's the the best and fairest award, and um, it's voted on largely or exclusively by the media and it takes in a range of attributes but basically which you know boil down to you know um best and fairest and i think this year particularly with his you know the fact that he was up there contending for the championship um he was a worthy winner the barry sheen medal does tend to be also a bit of a consolation prize it's sort of among the drivers it's (laughs) highly rated and you know if you don't win the championship if you win the barry sheen medal you know they actually prize it so um, it's a bit of a consolation prize, but I think it was well-deserved this time. Gee, James Courtney won it the same year he's won the championship. Did he get the uh, prize and the consolation prize? And perhaps that explains yeah, this year. he was a year. big personality. Yes. And, he, and on top of his personality, um, you know, he won. So he was a Monty last year. You know, mm. He was the logical one last year. He hasn't lost that personality, but, gee, it's tough for him to uh, he smile. He wasn't the best either this year. Well, it's tough for him to smile through the year he had. You know, James last year, always very approachable, always uh, very good. This year, hmm, not so approachable. Well, they had a miserable year. You know, talk about Annas Horribilis. Mm. Yeah, the worst defense. Couldn't be worse. The worst title defense ever. Mm. Of of course, he struggled. uh, He was in (laughs) 
wrong team at the wrong time. You know, he went from the right team at the right time. Um, you know, there have been glimpses of his talent. You know, that that win in Abu Dhabi in the second race, although it was, you know, he got there through the team's clever strategy. You know, what a ding dong battle he and Jason Bright had. You know, two extremely talented drivers. You know, wheel to wheel, fender to fender, blah blah blah. And again, as I said earlier, you know, his James Courtney's drive into third in the in the wet at Sandown was um, very impressive. So he hasn't lost his ability. You know, he's just you know with a building, and uh, you know he struggled with the, the kind of cars that uh, had evolved around Garth Tander, who equally impressively, you know, just monstered and mongreled that thing home to get big results where the, where the car had no business. And uh, in fact, if you think about it, I. I would probably nominate Garth Tander as my driver of the year because that's what he did. He drove, you know. He took an uncompetitive car and offered hand it, you know, way up in the field, if not on the podium, you know, a couple of wins, including Bathurst. I mean, really, that car should not have been there and for him to grab it by the scruff of the neck and, and uh, keep it up in the, well, <laughs> the, the top five, much less the top ten, um, was very impressive to my mind. Do you have a driver of the year, Nev? I looked at some of these guys coming through the the the, the future of the sport, and not so much Damien Winkel because he's actually the future, he's the now of the sport. But like the Reynolds and the Slades and these guys, they kept an eye on Young Moffat and all those guys. So I really like to see, you know, I like to see the young guys show that potential, and um, you know they're gonna they're gonna take it up to these, you know, they're gonna take it up to the Win Cups. Mm. Um, you know, we talked about Lounsey, how he's resurgent, but he is. He is in the latter half of his career, not the start of his career. So, you know, that's to me, that's what's exciting about it. Mm. Now, another award that was given out at the end of the year, folks, was one that there's another one voted primarily by the media. That's the Mike Cable Rookie of the Year. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. A rookie is a first year in it. Wouldn't the rookie of the main game be the uh, most likely to get Rookie of the Year? Not the... What did he finish? Fifth, sixth place in the Fujitsu series. Well, the award is for you know the, the rookie by the definition in the Fujitsu series. It's, a, it's an award restricted to participants in the Fujitsu series. Um, I was given a voting form for that, and I looked at it, and uh, I don't follow it that closely, so I handed it on to Auto Action's um, resident Fujitsu series expert Alex Inwood and let him vote. And you know, but my gut feeling was it was Chaz. Most, most it, um, and his performances <coughs> in the FBR car at the end of the series were um, pretty impressive. So it's a Fujitsu Series award. Got to give him something. Um, it's named after the very eminent motoring journalist, the late Mike Cable, who um, was renowned for encouraging young, fostering and encouraging young talent, both young journalists and, and young racing drivers. He wrote about them extensively. Um, it's the Young Gun Award. So, you know, it's a significant award. You're right, there should be a rookie award, a separate rookie award, I think, for the main game. It's a bit of a strange omission. Uh, but then again, the fact that the Barry Sheen medal is voted by the media, um, why that's not the Mike Cable Award in some ways um, hmm. is a, a question I've been asking for a long time. Uh, you know, not really convinced by the Barry, Barry Sheen link, you know, he's synonymous with motorcycle, Grand Prix mm. motorcycle racing, not so much V8, so I, I know he became a 
popular figure here on the 10s V8 telecast, but that's just, you know, I mean, that's just my opinion, but yeah. There should be a rookie award in the, for the for the main game. Well, I, I'm just reading the rules here, Neville, and it says in 2007 to encompass both the V8 Supercar Championship and the Fujitsu Series, the best first year V8 Supercar driver, irrespective of which series they compete in, uh, receives the fifteen thousand dollars scholarship. I bet you didn't know there was fifteen thousand dollars that went along with the medal. Which medal? The Mike Cable Young Gun Award. There's never gone to well, sleep that's interesting. there. And if, the, if it reads like that, which it probably started out that way, but <laughs> if you look at the voting form they hand out, it's only got Fujitsu guys. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm... They're, yeah, they're probably I, deviated from the path. Who knows? It's very unclear. Well, what uh, award, Nev, should be given out at the end of the year? For what? For anything. The, what would the V8X award be? Don't know. I haven't thought about it. <laughs> well, folks... Um, I oh, know best event. Oh, there's probably one of those. Yep, yeah. Clips have got that. Um, best race. Um, I, I, uh, no, you put me on the spot here. I haven't thought about it, mate. All right, folks, you, big, you had best said... Best person with big hair. <laughs> yeah, well, just lay down the there. You'd be a shoo-in, wouldn't you? Uh, but I guess it, it comes... Don't started on that media award day. <laughs> yeah. Give out. Uh, move along. Okay. Quick, Craig, rescue me. Okay, move, move along. On. I will move move along. Hey, can I just make an overall observation? You know, we're sort of forensically Mm -hmm. dissecting all this, but my view is that, you know, you can harp and criticise and pick away as as much as you like, and I do, but essentially it's been a pretty good year for V8 supercars. You know, the racing's been really good. There have been quite a few different winners despite Win Cup's, you know, prima facie domination. And there have been some, you know, exciting developments, you know, which we've yet to see the results of them. But, you know, the announcement of the race in 2013 at the Circuit of Americas in Te- Austin, near Austin, Texas, you know, if that goes ahead, that will be very exciting. You know, the sale of the business um, to Archer Capital, it's not sexy, but it's a very significant development. And, you know, Car of the Future has, you know, inched its way to some sort of well, we we can conceptualise it now, and and um, you know if you believe Tony Cochran and Mark Scaife, who have really put their reputations on the line by um, declaring, um, you know, unambiguously that there will be at least one and probably two new manufacturers or makes on the grid in 2013. So, you know, add it all up, without judging where it's all going, I think it's been a, you know, well. A pretty exciting year for V8 Supercars. Mm. And, of course, Nev, you can read all about the final days of 2011's championship in the uh, edition of V8X magazine that comes out very early in 2012. Uh, yep, you can. It's going to be good. When will that be out, Nev? Uh, it's actually out on January the 11th. Oh, good. As long as we're not lapsing into gratuitous plugs. When have we ever done that on this show, folks? Um, most of this show, actually. Thanks very much for joining us once again on the V8 Insiders, and uh, Happy New Year, Neville Wilkinson. Catch you guys. And also to you, Mark Fogarty. Yes. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everyone, particularly the fans, and also to Nev and to you, Craig. Have a good one. Bye. White flags up next here on the V8 Insiders.
You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, we again ask the drivers to sum up their year with just a word. Uh, satisfied. Nope. Inconsistent. Not easy, you know. Um, good. Uh, frustrating, probably. Good swear. Uh, disappointing. Disappointing. Oh, one word. Um, it was better. Um, 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 I don't think I can. Uh, inconsistent. Roller coaster? <laughs> Is that one word? Uh, yeah, okay, I suppose. Um, yeah, I don't know. One word's tough. Frustrating. Unlucky. Awesome. My thanks to Nev, Fogues and everyone who was part of 2011. I hope you have a safe New Year's Eve and look forward to you joining us again in 2012. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.